morning. My name is Rick. If I've not met you before, I'm the campus pastor here, and I'm glad to have you along worshiping with us this morning. If you were really sharp, you would have noticed that that was actually a compilation of three or four different, uh, uh, different beginnings of Star Trek. But they get the mission to boldly go where no person has gone before. <laughs> so Canadian. When I, was, when I was 23 years old, I had just uh, been living in Mississauga for about a year. I applied with 1,500 1500 other people to the Peel Police Auxiliary Training Program. And nine of us were received into that class. And we spent a year in training. We had some intense training. We were taught the, the laws of Ontario. We were taught how to, we were taught in combat. Yes, I'm, I'm a weapon right up here. Yeah, I, you may not, may not believe that, but this body is a weapon. We, <laughs> I feel, <yeah. laughs> it's a lot of laughter. It's a lot of laughter out there. We were, we were tased. We were, we were pepper sprayed. We went, we went through it all. And I will never forget after I finished that year of training, my, my first call with the Peel police. It was a, it was a domestic argument. It was, I'd only been, literally, I'd been in the car for about 25 minutes and there was a call for a domestic argument and we heard that there was a potentially a suicide in progress. This is my first day on the job. So far, all we had done was we had found that a cat had set off a fire alarm and then we had this. So, so that was, that was my experience. And so we, sirens flashing, off we go, we, we get to the door and the wife says, my husband's up in, in, in his room and he said he's going, he's going to kill himself. And so legitimately, we ran up, we kicked down the doors, busted it down, race over, he had a cord around his neck and we ran over and held him up and ripped the cord off. It was by far the most exciting call that I ever had had in the four or five years that I served in the Peel Auxiliary. But I remember that, that, that this call epitomized why I was attracted to police services. There was, there was the rush of helping people. There was this, this physical response that, that, I, I, that I was able to participate in. But what it turned out is that mostly I found out police work is paperwork and busting teens for marijuana. And, and, and after, I, after I discovered that, I thought, I don't want to stay in this anymore. And, and so then I went after my master's in counseling because I always love to have something going on outside of the church. But in that process, I learned right there. Yeah, there we are. That was graduation. That was, that was graduate. I, I, I received the fitness award and the, uh, and the academic award. I worked hard at that, at, at, at that course. I, I learned what it was to receive orders to receive authority, to carry out a mission. And last Sunday morning and last Sunday night here in our services, we had people who were filled with the Holy Spirit for the very first time. And we, all month long, we've been reminding ourselves that the role of the Holy Spirit always has been and always will be to call people back into right relationship with God. And on Sunday, there were people who were filled, or, or people that had a reawakening moment when God spoke to them and said, I want to be in you. I want to be with you. I have a job for you. You were refilled or you were filled. And all of us were becoming more aware of the mission that God has given us and empowering us to do, and that is to help people find their way back to God. But most important to me as a pastor over the course of this month is that Christ followers and even those who are just interested in faith are having conversations. They're doing some self-reflection in terms of what it means and what they believe to be the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
And we're a Pentecostal church. We're affiliated with Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. But this is the first time in four years that we've ever done an in-depth study like this. And as of today, our series will end. And we will continue to be who we always have been, a church just led by the Spirit that loves their community, loves each other, challenges each other from the Word, and serves God's mission in the world. And I understand that theologically, not every Christ follower has the same understanding of Holy Spirit baptism as I do. And that's why at the very beginning of this whole series, we permissioned everybody and we said, you know, we're not all going to agree on this, but we, it's okay if we don't have identical theology when it comes to this. Because in the, in the churches, the big church, the church-wide, in our recent history, not just Portico, our issue is that we've made massive issues out of minor theological differences. And this past month, we've asked people to set aside, don't worry about what your personal theology is. Don't worry about what your experiences are, be it good or bad. Put that out of your minds and just look at what happened in the Bible. And if you weren't here on, on the first week, we even had Andrew come up. And Andrew's one of our, one of our, one of our church leaders. And he said, you know, I'm not going to be in alignment on necessarily what the PAOC says uh, is Holy Spirit baptism. But the wonderful thing is that we can still serve God together and follow his mission in the world. And what we've looked at in the Bible through the last three weeks is that the disciples were asked to wait for the Holy Spirit to baptize them with fire. Even though they had already received God's Spirit at salvation, God came, He breathed on them, they believed, they received the Holy Spirit, and He said, now that you have the Holy Spirit, go wait for the Holy Spirit baptism. And when they were in that room together, there was little tongues of fire, and they spoke in other tongues. And all throughout the course of the Bible, uh, of, of the New Testament church, we saw that something visible happened as a second experience after they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And for some people in the room, you jump to, well, this must be true for everyone. If this is the way that it happened with the disciples in the New Testament, that's what it must be for everyone. For others of you, you say, you know, I'm not totally sure that that's the way that it is for everyone. But the most important thing is that we've been looking at what the Holy Spirit baptism was like in the Bible, and we're wrestling with that. We're working out our faith. And if you can't get there... It's okay because we agree on the major things that, that, that God, he sent his son Jesus and we receive the spirit and we're going to heaven because we believe in that. That's the essence of Christianity. What it looks like when we receive his spirit, what happens outwardly, it's okay that we journey together in figuring this out. We're, we're going to teach what we believe to be true, but the most important thing is we wrestle this out. And as, as your pastor, if we can commit to a lifelong journey of being open to what the Holy Spirit and what the Bible says, and let that shape us, rather than taking our experience and trying to understand from Scripture, and, and rather than taking our experience and saying, this is what I believe to be true, now let me see if I can find out in the Bible. If we can avoid doing that and just say, let the Bible shape my faith, then we'll be in a good spot. So the very fact that we have people wrestling with this question is a wonderful thing. What does it look like when I'm filled with the Spirit? And this morning we're going to take one last look 
at why the Holy Spirit baptizes us, why the Holy Spirit fills us. So if you have downloaded your app by now, then you can follow along in your notes and you can actually put your notes right in there now and it saves and it's a great new function. That's why we're moving away from the U version. So you can do that. If you're a pen and paper person, you'll have um, a little handout in your bulletin that you can fill along. And if you don't have a copy of the Bible this morning, please just slip up your hand and somebody will give you a copy of the Bible to share. We had a couple who just want a copy of the Bible to borrow this morning. But we're going to go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, for our last uh, major text on the series Close Encounters. And here we go. Acts 1, verse 8. Here's what it says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. What a clear mission that our role is to go. So here's the question. What are we all doing sitting in church? If our mission was to go, (laughs) why are we sitting here this morning? To learn? Okay, that's a good one. (laughs) We're here. We're here to encourage. We're here to learn. But the final words of Jesus were to go. And the best thing that the church does, the most, the largest thing, the the most regular thing that we do is sit and stay. Think about that. (laughs) We're called to go, yet the best thing we do is stay. And sometimes we say, you know, our church really reaches out to the community and we make impacts by reaching out. And more often, our outreaches look more like in-drags. And we say, if we can just get them into church, then maybe they will see change in their life. But in the past year, just a simple question. How many people have attended a church event that was designed to attract people to faith that was hosted in a church building. Has anyone attended an event that was designed to attract people? Anyone? So our One Hope concert, uh, a Sunday where it was talking about faith. So yeah, most of us have attended an event that was designed to share faith with people. Now I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you have participated in an event or a practice that was the same purpose? It was to share your faith with people, but it was in your home or in your neighbor's home. Our mission, should we choose to accept it, is to boldly go and share the faith with other people, not to boldly stay in church, not so boldly sit in church and sing songs about Jesus. Although there is purpose, it's not our mission. The previous season of church was actually successful. And by when I say previous season, I would say in the, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, maybe even into the 90s, there was a season of church when we were very successful in seeing people come to faith in Christ if we put on a good event, if we would share the gospel message effectively, creatively, with music and with video and with drama, people would believe. But the world since then has drastically changed. And here's the number one thing that I, I believe has changed. Number one thing that we see is that Back in 60s, 70s, 80s, in Canada, in the United States, when you met a person, they had a precondition for faith in Christ. Christianity used to be the most commonly accepted faith in Canada, and we had some sense, whether you were raised in church, whether you are not raised in church, that our culture said there's something right about Christianity. It's no longer the case anymore. In fact, we know that 75% of people, three-quarters of people that live in Canada, have either have a different faith or either are actively opposed to Christianity. There's only 25, one in four people in Canada, and in the GTA it's less so, 
have any sense of Christianity may be right already built within, which means we're starting from zero or less than zero because we're working against that. The Billy Graham Association studied reasons why Christians don't share their faith, why Christians don't go, why we stay here. And no, nobody responded that it's because we didn't care. 9% said that they were too busy and they just didn't remember to do it. 12% said that they felt their own life weren't speaking as, as good as it should so that they didn't go. 28% felt that they didn't have the right information to share. But by far, the largest group of people who didn't share their faith, who were Christ followers, said they were afraid of how the other person would receive it. And I think a lot of us would find ourselves in that group this morning because sharing our faith can make us nervous. But as we close out this series, we're going to look at the story of a man in the Bible, and his name is Philip. Now you need to know this, there are two Philips in, new, in the New Testament. As you read the Bible and you read the name Philip, one of them was Jesus' disciple. He was one that spent three years following around Jesus. The other one is not. He was a deacon. He came to faith afterwards. He was a servant. That word deacon means servant. He's one that would have set up. He's like, if you, who's on our setup teams on Sunday mornings? You do, you, do, you do some church setup, right? He's a servant within the church. This is the Philip that we're going to look at. He would have been setting up our service. He would have been serving in the seniors' home. He would have participated in the MCRC One Hope food drive. This is who Philip is. And we're going to look at his story in the book of Acts, chapter 6, verse 5. And your notes are in your app or they're on the screen. Here's what it says. When they put Philip's name forward to become a deacon, the proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and also Philip. So Philip was just like anyone who would be in church this morning. He was well-liked by his peers. He was honored by his peers, but he had no special background. But what we're going to see is Philip was a man who understood his mission was to go. His mission wasn't to stay, and he lived it out. Let's go to Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. And we're not going to read that, that whole text there, but I'll share the story with you. See, Phil, the Lord said to Philip, go south on a specific road that leads towards Gaza. Now, this is one of the lesser known miracles in the Bible. I don't know if you've heard this. This is the miracle of the GPS. Anybody heard this miracle? No? Where, where Philip was praying and God said, Philip, I want you to turn left on the way to Gaza and follow that for two kilometers. You know that little voice, right, on the GPS? This is what happens when Philip is praying. And Philip does what all of us do when we hear Siri speaking to us. We follow it because we have no idea where we're going, right? <laughs> who, who has no idea where they're going most days and they just put it in the GPS? Yeah, there's a few people bold enough. You have no idea. You're following exactly what Siri or that little voice in the GPS tells you to do. This is Philip. God said, go to, go to, the, war to the road towards Gaza. He doesn't know why. He doesn't know where that is. He just gets up and starts going. And on this road, there happened to be an Ethiopian official, uh, an Ethiopian government official driving along the road. Now, when we see a cavalcade of SUVs traveling along the 401, it sparks our interest, doesn't it? You see all those black SUVs going by, you're thinking, I wonder who's in those vehicles. So what do you do when you see all those black SUVs going by? Do you speed up and get away from them? Do you tail them? Do you like back away? We all have different reactions. Well, the voice of the Spirit says to Philip, 
I want you to go directly beside the large vehicle. Now, that's not a good thing to do. Usually, it's not a good thing to go up and try and peek in a government official's vehicle, is it? They have guards. <laughs> they have built-in protection. They might knock you off the road. You have no idea what's going to happen. And that's not just in, in our day. And I'm not sure that if, even if Siri told me, go up beside the large government vehicle, I would do it. But Philip wasn't about to miss out on an opportunity So he goes and he starts to creep this guy out and he gets right up beside him and he hears him reading the Bible. And this is where Philip begins to ad-lib. He breaks away from the miracle of the GPS. And when he hears the guy reading the Bible, he says, hey, can you understand anything that you're reading right now? And the Ethiopian officials, like any one of us who's ever tried to read the Bible on our own, he goes, absolutely not. I have no idea what I'm reading. I'm reading reading something out of the prophets and it doesn't make any sense and I have no idea what it means I need somebody to explain it to me. And then so Philip carries out the first Israeli occupation of Ethiopia and he jumps into the vehicle and he explains the prophecy of who Jesus was and the promise of salvation. And then the two men stop their vehicle by the river. The Ethiopian believes, he's baptized, and they live happily ever after. (laughs) No, actually... He, he's baptized, he believes, and then Philip was taken away to a different town. The Holy Spirit moved him from there. We don't know how. We don't really get any other explanation from that. It's an amazing story. But he goes on and he keeps sharing the message about Jesus. And it's one of the cooler stories in the New Testament. And Philip demonstrates a few key principles of what it takes to live a life that's in step with the relationship of the Holy Spirit. So grab a pen or, or fill in your notes this morning as we go along. But here's the crucial question we need to buy into today. If we're going to follow this, do you believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to people today? Do you believe that there's a voice that speaks to people and tells them the message of God, where to go and how to live? That's a big question for a lot of us to answer. And if we don't believe that, we can't fully participate in the mission if we don't believe that God is speaking. This was all based on Philip hearing God or Philip hearing an angel. He hears somebody say something. And we chatted a few weeks ago how I don't believe that for most of us we're going to hear an audible voice regularly. Even our Bible heroes, there was only two or three times in their lives where we know without a doubt that something audibly happened and they followed it out. But we do believe that there's a little urging inside of us, inside our minds, inside of our hearts, and it's the Holy Spirit legitimately speaking a message from a holy God. And if we believe that, then we have to go. We have to follow just the same way that we would follow the GPS. So there's three things we want to go. We want to go in obedience to the Spirit's voice. That's your first fill in the blank this morning. Acts 8 and 26. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And one of the largest challenges that we face when we're learning to share the gospel is the struggle to believe that there's this perfect time for a person to encounter Christ. Have you ever, have you ever struggled with this? Do you ever believe, you know, there's somebody that I know that I care about and I want them to know the same hope and I want them to have the same faith in the future that I have, but I just don't know when the right time to share that is. And I will admit that not every individual is in a place where they're actively seeking God and they're, and they're open for change. 
But listen, we withhold the best news the world has ever had, and we back off from the mission of going and being the presence of God in the community that he's called us to be because we're telling ourselves a lie about it's not quite the right time yet. Let me ask you this. Is there ever legitimately a wrong time for a person to encounter the love of Jesus? Think about that. We tell ourselves it's, not, it's just not the right time for them. <laughs> they don't need to know that there's a God that loves them unconditionally and they, they wouldn't really be ready to hear the message that it doesn't matter what they've done or where they've come from, there's a God that cares about them and wants to spend eternity with them. They're not ready to hear that. That's the lie that we tell ourselves. But there's this message of total acceptance and total forgiveness and total love. When is the wrong time for that? Never. But the problem is we don't often share a message of love and hope. We share a message of come to church and hear about how you sinned and maybe you'll feel a little guilty and then you can do the same thing that I do. People have baggage with church. They don't have baggage with the message of Jesus. And we weren't called to share a message of come to a Sunday service. We were called to share a message of love that Jesus died for us, that he knows us. He knows the wrong things that we've done and he doesn't care. He loves us anyways and just wants us to admit that we need him. And if we remembered that our message was to go and share that, not bring them into a church service, we would know there would never be a wrong time. And when the Holy Spirit's voice says go, we would go. The disciples were faced with the same dilemma. The, the, the religious authorities in Jerusalem, they hauled them into church court and said, you've got to stop sharing the message of Jesus with so many people. We've got a religion that we're doing here and you're doing something totally different. We don't like it. And I love Peter and John's response to the religious authorities, the church. This is them speaking to the church in Acts 4.19. Here's what they say. Who should we obey? You or God? <laughs> They're saying, should we obey what the church is saying or should we obey what God has told us to do and he's told us to go? And every day you and I have a choice about which voice we're going to give power to. Are we going to give power to the voice of fear inside of us that says, this isn't the right time for my neighbor to hear about Jesus because I don't know how they're going to react. Or are we going to obey the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, go, you're going to go down uh, Derry, you're going to turn right and there's going to be a person in Tim Hortons there that needs to know Jesus. And which voice are we going to give power to? And the Holy Spirit is saying to us this morning, go, don't stay. Second thing he's saying go to is not, not only go in obedience, but go in the direction that the Spirit leads. After Philip had decided that he would go, and be that voice, the Holy Spirit got very specific with him. He showed him a road. He showed him a vehicle. He got him all excited so that he would actually jump into somebody else's car, his chariot. Look at Acts 29. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. The Holy Spirit is a details guy, apparently. But during the course of your day, the Holy Spirit wants to point out specific people that we can share the love of God with. They might not always be so easy to point out because this guy was reading a Bible. So if there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus that is reading a Bible and looks like they're struggling with it, I'm just going to boldly say that you should share your faith with that person. If, if there's somebody there asking, what does the Bible mean? That's a person that may be ready to understand the love of God and ready for you to share. But it may not always be that clear. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit doesn't speak that clearly. There are people that we work with. We see them every day. And we know that they don't have the hope that, that I have. But maybe we've just never felt it's the right time to share it. 
Peter and the disciples, we're going to track along with their story as well, they experienced the same thing. He was praying about, Jesus said, I'm going to go into all areas of the world, but it's only been a Jewish thing. It hadn't gone to the Gentiles, the people who weren't in, within the Jewish faith and culture. And Jesus was saying, no, it's okay for you to go. And as he prayed, this is what the Spirit said to him in Acts 10, 19 and 20. While Peter was still thinking about this vision and he was in prayer, the Spirit said to him, Simon, Peter's other name, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. The Holy Spirit is a details guy. He has people set out for you and I to share our faith with. And if we believe that the Holy Spirit speaks, if we believe that the Holy Spirit says we need to go, then we need to start listening. Holy Spirit, who are you calling me to go to? Because he will regularly set up encounters for us over the course of our days that we can share our faith with. To Philip, he goes, Philip, you see the guy in that chariot? Jump in his car and tell him about me. He goes, Peter, there's going to be three people that are coming to your house today. I have specifically designed you to share your faith with them. He's going to say, James. He's going to say, Joe. He's going to say, Manir. He's going to say, go to these people and share your faith with them if we're ready to listen. And what you believe about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and and tongues, that's not relevant in this case. We believe that the Holy Spirit empowers us to go and to share. But he's calling all of us to go. He speaks to all of us in that way. There are are people who have followed Jesus for years. You have a deep-rooted belief. You live a life that's so well, but you can't remember the last person that you shared your faith with. Because you know what we do well is we stay. We don't go so well. But a life that is fully submitted to the Holy Spirit will regularly be active in sharing their faith with the people who need to hear it. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He calls us to go. He tells us who to go to. And here's the best news. Why we've been studying Holy Spirit baptism over the last four weeks is because we believe we don't go alone. We believe that he empowers us to go. The last fill in the blank is go in the power that the Spirit provides. This is why we believe in baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not because we can't do this on our own, that we could never share our faith on our own. It's not because the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to us without it. It's we believe that the Holy Spirit baptizes us for power to break through the fear, to break through the wall that we can't on our own because we bounce up against this all the time because you are right. There will be countless people that we share our faith with that will say, you're crazy and you judged me, and no thank you. And the Holy Spirit gives us power to go, but I share anyway. I share boldly. With the disciples, they shared even though they were threatened with beating. With Philip, he jumped into a government official's car. He didn't care. When the Holy Spirit comes, we get a boldness. We get a power that we would never have. By far, the Pentecostal movement is the fastest growing faith movement worldwide because we're not doing it on our own. The first step in opening up our mouths to speak or opening up our lives to demonstrate the gospel is the hardest thing we will ever do because we don't necessarily want to be judged. We don't want to make other people feel that we're judging them. We feel rejection. We feel failure. We fail. We fear being ostracized, but not Philip. Acts 8 and 30. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet 
He said, do you understand what you're reading? Philip overcomes this big fear. And if you've ever felt unable to share the gospel with a close friend, with a family member, with even a stranger, we got to ask ourselves, are we relying on my ability? Am I relying on my ability to share that gospel? Or am I relying on the power that the Holy Spirit gives me? Because when we do it on our own, we're going to become fearful. Here's the best news. The Holy Spirit is never fearful to talk about himself. That's the power to boldly go, to confidently share, to jump into the world of our friends or even a stranger and tell them the amazing news about Jesus. Acts 2, 38 and 39. Peter on the day of Pentecost. This is, remember last week we talked, Peter who was so afraid even to say, yes, I was one of the guys that hung around Jesus, pre-Holy Spirit baptism, Peter, post-Holy Spirit baptism, Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are fall off, far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. That's the mission, should you choose to accept it. A faith that's lived well in a church building and a a faith life lived well in obedience to God's teaching earns us heaven. We'll spend eternity with him forever. He'll look at us one day and say, well done. But it falls short of God's mission. He sent his spirit to speak to us on a regular basis, to empower us to go and work alongside him in the greatest mission we could ever have to help people find their way back to God. That's, that's why it's Portico Church's mission. We, we don't want to do anything else. We don't want to be about creating the best small groups. We don't want to be about creating the best Sunday experience. We want to be about helping people find their way back to God. It's the most, you ever notice that the most important things in life are never things. The most important things in life are things that we can't hold or maybe we can't even see. The most important thing ever is what we store up in heaven. The life of our friends, of our family, who maybe we'll spend eternity with or maybe we won't. And when Philip encountered the Holy Spirit and his mission everything changed. <laughs> Philip was a deacon in church. He was responsible for the feeding program. If, if we really track it through, Philip was responsible for feeding widows. That's what his job was. He served in the church. He listened to the teaching. He lived a good life. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit speaks to him. And he goes, all right, here I go. I'm going to participate in a brand new mission. And his greatest reward, I love this, The greatest reward that Philip receives, write this verse down and look it up later. Acts 21, 8 and 9. Acts 21, 8 and 9. Philip has four daughters, it says, and they all prophesied and spoke for God later. When Philip stopped just doing church, but went and said, I'm going to do what the Spirit called me to do, his kids followed in his footsteps. Tradition tells us that this Ethiopian official goes back to Africa and starts to spread the gospel all throughout Africa, instrumental in starting the church of Jesus Christ in that nation, in that continent. 
when Philip understood the message to go. So why are we here? Because I won't shut up. (laughs) Philip's family, his friends, even strangers knew Jesus because he lived on mission. Self-reflection question this morning for you. Who knows Jesus today because of the way the Holy Spirit is working in you? Who knows Jesus today because of the way the Holy Spirit worked in you? Now listen, that's not a question to bring up guilt. Because we don't make anybody believe. That's not our job. But our job is to go. And Christmas is the season when people are more open than they ever would be to hearing the news of faith and having a faith discussion. That's why we have the One Hope concert. We don't have the One Hope concert because our musicians don't have enough to do. In fact, every year our our musicians go, are we having a One Hope concert (laughs) again? And Pastor Doug goes, yes, we are again, because our mission isn't to make sure we have clear calendars. And our mission isn't to make sure that our Sundays are the best. Our mission is to go and share the faith that's within inside of us. So two questions for you today as we close. Heather's going to sing a song, and I don't want you to write a name down yet, but I want to put these two questions up on the side screen here. Go ahead, girls. Who am I praying for? Before you walk out of this room today, if, if you are a Christ follower Don't walk out without saying, this is a person I'm going to commit to praying for for the next, how many days till Christmas? You were counting out, 26? 26 days. For the next 26 days, I'm going to commit to praying for this person because I so desperately believe that they need to know the same faith that I know and have the same hope that I have. We believe the Holy Spirit can speak a name to you today. Not somebody necessarily that you even imagine would come to faith, but you're going to believe for that. And the second thing is this. Who is a person that I need to have a conversation with? And that means this first person, they may not be ready. Although we know everybody's ready <laughs> to hear the good news of Jesus. But you may still be praying for them for a little bit and then we'll work up to that. But who are you going to have that conversation with in the next few weeks? You're going to talk to them about your faith. They may not be ready to come to church. They might be. They may not be ready to come to the One Hope concert. They might be but you're going to share your faith with them. You're going to say, you know, can we have a conversation about what I believe and why Christmas is so important to me? And if they say no, it's okay. Keep boldly sharing. Your message isn't, your mission isn't to feel good. Your your mission isn't to avoid tense and nervous situations. Your mission is to go and share your faith with the world and the Holy Spirit will empower you to go. So as Heather leads us in just a reflection moment, I want you to think on that. Don't write yet. We'll come back in a moment. Holy Spirit, right now, in this room, in each of us, in our hearts, in our minds, would you speak right now? One name, two names, Lord, that we would fill out on a little piece of paper and we'd fill out on an app this morning. And it doesn't seem like much, but it's a commitment to go and be a part of the mission. We believe it to be so. In the name of Jesus, audibly, in our hearts, in our minds, speak a name, Lord.
Holy Spirit, we believe you speak. And we believe you've called us. And we believe you've empowered us. And I thank you for all of those. And so I, I pray, God, that over, over this Christmas season, we would see miracles of faith happening in and around us, God, because of what you're doing. God, when you got a hold of those disciples, when you got a hold of Philip, the world around them was different. Their families were different. Their church was different. Their town was different because they just went. We believe you're going to do that through us, God. We're just simple enough to believe that what we read in the Bible is true. So we believe it to be true for us this morning, Lord. Thank you, Father, for what you've done, for what you're doing. We ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.